so much, uh, all of you, for singing, for playing the instruments. Wasn't that special? I love it. It just, what a tremendous time we have every Sunday when we come together. Brother Butcher, I got to give you this real quick here. Yeah, just, you can read that. Thank you, brother. I love you. Hey, I want to do something a little unorthodox. I got a text from John Schroeder. John, come on up here. John works for the sheriff's department and has not been able to come to church on Sundays because of his job working every Sunday. He's been praying, God, help me to to get these Sundays off so I could be in worship. And so he texts me this week, hallelujah, preacher, it's a miracle, it's an answer to prayer, I'm coming to church Sunday. And so I'm rejoicing with him, and I just want him to share what that has meant to him. He just was overwhelmed during the song, and I said, John, tell the church that. That's too good to share with just me. Some of y'all are taking for granted being here, and you know who you are because you're here every Sunday. Guys, I hadn't been able to be here and I've needed to be here in just the 10 minutes we've been here. God's just showing me. Guys, we get to praise and love and mighty, powerful God, the only true God there is. And you're in his worship right now. So why don't some of you act like it? And let God touch your heart. Because I haven't got to be here. And you know what? When I was here all that time, I, maybe I was taking it for granted, but I'm not anymore. Amen. Thank you, Lord. All Love right. You. Hey, little overflow there. Now, here's the beautiful thing about it. You say, man, he got a little fired up just about two seconds there, didn't he? When he said, why don't some of you act like it? But here's the beautiful thing. If you're okay with it, then you're fine. It's the ones that needed it probably that got upset with that, you know? I love it. I love it. And you know what? It is true that when we come before the Lord, there is something, there is something incredibly important about, about knowing and intentionally making an effort to concentrate and, and, and to think he is here. And when you, when you really understand that, when you begin to grasp that, in fact, my message this morning is, is going to direct your attention to prayer. And a lot of our ability to really understand what prayer is, we, we have to understand that he is with us. And so in your Bibles, Jeremiah 33, and you're there, and I'm going to be going there in just a moment, but could I begin by quoting a verse in First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 17? And before I quote that verse, I want to make a statement, and, and that statement is just simply this, that this message could drastically change our church. It could drastically change our church. I just want to say that in the beginning statements of this, of this message, and then at the end, you can kind of process that yourself. We've been studying what brings the glory down in the church, and we have had a verse that we've read before every sermon that I've preached in this series. It's Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 1, and it says this, and you need to hear this again, Oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens... Or open the heavens. The word rend simply means open. Oh, that thou wouldest open the heavens, that thou wouldest come down, that the mountains might flow down at thy presence. There comes the sermon series title. Open up the heavens. May the glory of God come down. How does that happen? What does that look like on Sunday mornings at 1030? What does that look like in our corporate worship on Sunday nights at 6 o'clock? And I know those are two identical services, but we, we worship and, and, and focus on the very same thing in both of those services. What does that look like when it comes to preaching God's Word? What does it look like when it comes to passionate worship of God's Son? And what does it look like when it comes to fervent prayer with God's people? 
1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17 says simply, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Without ceasing. I want you to think literally that means you are always or you can always be in a conversation with God. It means right now, you, you can stop right now and just say, Lord, I just want to thank you. You're so good. I love you, Jesus. Thank you. God bless Brother Eric as he preaches. I'm excited. I can't wait to hear what he has to say. I mean, you, you could do that. To pray without ceasing means that we're in an attitude of prayer throughout the day, 24-7. Hey, you could be brushing your teeth. Really? It wouldn't, God wouldn't mind that. He appreciates you brushing. So do we. You could say, Lord, I, I just want to thank you. I got teeth, you know. And if you don't have teeth, well, just thank God for something else, you know. But I mean, 24-7. You know, the history of Gospelite Baptist Church is a history of prayer. It's a history of prayer of God's people. Before there was ever a church, I got to thinking back, before we ever had our church, we had five consecutive Wednesday night prayer gatherings. And we met together and we taught from God's word and we prayed. Before there was ever a first Sunday. We're about to celebrate uh, the 22nd year of our church's history. But before the church was ever officially planted and had its first Sunday service, there was five services where God's people got together and prayed. I remember each move that we've made as a church family. The first one into the storefront building that we purchased uh, for $67,000. You know, just the, the faith move that that was. Just the step of faith just to get in that very first building and actually have a, a note at the bank, you know, to take care of. And then the, the second building that we moved into uh, when we built that building on the corner of 3rd and South. And I'm telling you, church, when, when you decide you're going to build a building in a neighborhood as bad as our neighborhood was, that takes a lot of prayer. I mean, because I tell you what we're talking about is maybe we should build somewhere else. Maybe God would have us to go. Do you know what kept us in this neighborhood? Prayer. God speaking to the hearts of God's people very seriously and very distinctly. I want you to stay in the neighborhood. And then when we moved over to these buildings and you begin to think about all the prayer, some of you remember all the multitudes of times that we walked around these facilities at 9, 10, and 11 o'clock at night. It didn't matter who was in town for that Saturday night prayer meeting. It didn't matter who was in town, guests, visitors, whoever. We would say, look, you may, this may be a little odd to you, but this is what we do. We're praying that God would give us these buildings. And so we'd be in that building across the street. We'd be having our prayer meeting. And then remember, guys, if you were here, we'd walk out of that building across Hobson over to this facility. We'd meet on the front steps of what was then Second Baptist. We would have a corporate prayer time. And then I'd just say, okay, let's all split up, get a partner, walk around the block and pray. And we'd do that for about an hour. And just pray and say, God, what is your plan for our church? remember when we started the prayer team and we had the 24-hour prayer chain and the pastor's prayer line and the prayer walks and the prayer meetings and the prayer partners and the prayer and fasting time and the 911 prayer and on and on I could go. And some of those things you don't recognize and, and some of that's the reason for the message. You see, more than any other spiritual discipline, prayer is the one thing that keeps crawling off the table. Isn't that true? Isn't it amazing that I don't know about you, but I've lived now the Christian life for 30 plus years, and the hardest thing for me to do is the discipline of prayer. And I have seasons where, man, I'm telling you, I'm on it. It's good. I mean, I've got a thousand ideas, and I'm ready to roll, and, and I'm, I'm all good, and I'm ready to pray. And then all of a sudden, I get busy, and, 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 and things begin to crowd my life, Greg, and all of a sudden, prayer crawls off the table, and i got to go find it again. 
Can I tell you what this message is all about? Finding your prayer life. Finding it again. Where is it at? Where did it go? What, what, what stole that time from, from me and God? What, and as a church family, as the pastor, as other pastors and leaders of our church, as, as small group leaders, I'm asking you to join me and, and let's find that prayer time that we seem to have lost. And then ultimately, let's find it as a church family. Because it keeps getting away. And so the goal of this message is that we would get our prayer thing going again. That we would just, as a church family, come together and, 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 and ask God to open our hearts to, to different avenues of prayer and different ways that we can pray. My goal for this message, our goal for this message, is that men would become men of prayer. Is that women would become women of prayer. And so let's begin with prayer. Father, I ask you to help me through the rest of the message. Lord, as I teach this sermon, as I preach this message, oh God in heaven, Jesus, please, would you open every ear? Would you cause any distraction, Lord, right now to be cut off? To be cut off in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I pray that every bitter, bitter person, every Every person right now who is allowing something to, to maybe potentially, even myself, God, my family, my wife, my kids, my friends, anyone in this building that is tuned out, tune them in, tune them in. And God, may we find the thing that keeps crawling off the table. May we find our prayer life again. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 13, it's on the screen. Peter said, yea, I think it meet as long as I'm in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. Peter said, I want to stir you up. I mean, kind of like John just a moment ago. That kind of stirred us up a little bit, didn't it? Uh, Joe, come here for just a second since you're on the front row. I'll use Joe here just for a second. I mean, Joe, I tell you what, if I'm, if I'm wanting to, you know, kind of get you excited, I might grab you here and just say, hey, Joe, I want to stir you up, man. I, I want to stir you up. Hey, it actually looks better now, you know. I want to stir you up, man. Listen, have I got your attention yet? I'm preaching on prayer, and I want to stir you up. I want you to remember the day when your prayer life was at its best. That's what I want to do to everybody today. I just don't have time to get you on the platform. I want to. How do I look, all right? (laughs) I look better too, right? I want to stir you up to remembrance. And so as we think about this message, and as we look to Jeremiah 33, 3, I want to make a really big deal out of this passage. I mean, you've heard it before, but I I believe God is calling us to a church, as a church, to come back to prayer. If we want to see the glory come down, we've got to come back to prayer. Look at Jeremiah 33, beginning in verse number 1. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah the second time. While he was yet shut up in the court of the prison, saying, Thus saith the Lord, the maker thereof, the Lord that formed it to establish it. The Lord is his name. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. I want to give you four words here. Four words that we find in Jeremiah chapter 33 that deal with this thought of prayer. Number one, the word is invitation. I want you to see the invitation here. And, and, and meaning, meaning this, I want you to see who is giving the invitation to call. Notice here, it is God himself. God himself is giving the invitation here. Four times, look at it, moreover the word of 
the Lord came to Jeremiah the second time. Look at verse 2. Thus saith the Lord, the maker thereof, the Lord that formed it to establish it. The Lord is his name. Question, do you think God's trying to get us to see that it's the Lord? <laughs> it's the four times in two verses. God says, I want you to know who is giving you this invitation to pray. The Lord is. The Lord is inviting us to pray. You see, you can talk to the creator of the universe and he will listen to you. Now that just went over everybody's head. Or you would have got real excited. We'd have had another praise service right there. All right, think with me for, for just a moment. Somebody's never heard this, ever, 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 ever heard this. They know nothing about this. They know nothing about, you know, what that says or what most of the Bible says. Nothing. And they're in this building, nothing. And I look at them and I say, i got to tell you something really cool. You're not going to believe this. But the creator of the entire universe wants you to talk to him. Can you believe that? He actually, and he will listen. Somebody hearing that for the first time is going to be, let's go right now. Let's stop. You mean I can talk to the creator, the guy that made the heavens and the earth, the guy that formed the waters, the seas, the animals, the guy that I can talk to him. Are you serious? They'd want to do it. They'd say, look, man, what are we doing sitting here? <laughs> but see, those of us that have been in church for a long time, that, just, that statement just kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, I've heard that before. Yeah, prayer. I got it. I did that a little bit this morning. The creator of the universe. Think about that. Call me, God says. Call unto me, the Lord. And how often do we run to our spouse with a kid problem when we should be running to God? How often do we run to our boss with a work problem when we should be going to God? How often do we go to a friend with a relationship problem when we should be running to God? How often do we go to the world through social media with a problem when we should be running to God? Call unto me, me, me. The Lord says, hey, I want you to talk to me first. The average person speaks 34,000 words in a day. 34,000 words in a day. The average woman speaks, just kidding. And uh, <clears throat> I'm sorry, it slipped. Just kidding. That's half a book. Question. How many of those 34,000 words are spoken to God? Of that book. Half a book. A page? Maybe two pages? Maybe at the max? I'm asking you to give God a chapter. Give him a chapter in the book. Notice the word call. The word call there. Call unto me. Do you know what that word is? That is a word of intensity. It's an expression of intensity. It's not like, give me a call. No, no. It's call. Call unto me. That is a word with fervency. How do you want us to talk to you, God? How do you want us to do that? Well, look here. Notice where Jeremiah was in, in verse 1. Look at it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah the second time while he was yet shut up in the court of the prison. Where was Jeremiah when Jesus said, call? He was in prison. He was in trouble. 
Sometimes we find ourselves in some kind of prison, don't we? We just find ourselves in trouble. We're in a mess. We're in a situation we don't like. And what should I do? And Jesus says, call unto me. Hey, Jeremiah, for the second time, you're shut up in prison. You're there. I know, I know it's uncomfortable. I know this is a tough time in your life. Hey, call unto me, the Lord. When does a child call out? Chloe, the other day, came into our room about three nights ago. Is that okay if I tell this? Okay. She said, Mom, Dad, I don't know why I just feel like I need to be here with you guys. I need, need to, can I, can I stay in the room? She doesn't do this all the time, but she just did. She was a little scared for whatever reason. I'm not sure why, but she just said, Dad, Mom, could I sleep at the end of the bed? I just want to be in this room with you guys. And what do you think we said? Go back to your room. No, we said, Sure. <laughs> And she got in the bed, but she, she kind of came crying. She wasn't screaming, but she was asking. She was crying out. She was saying, hey, Mom, Dad, I'm a little afraid. Children come when they're scared, and that's when they call out. Ever had a ch- child cry out? Ah, Mom! You ever had them cry out? You ever had looked over and maybe your child's on the ground the other day Glorianne fell and and she hurt herself and and she cried for a long time because she was hurting she was in pain and she was crying out because that's a natural instinct thing that we do when we're hurt we need help we call out about four years ago um Phil Gilmore Philip Gilmore used to be a deacon in our church he He's a deacon now in Crossett, Arkansas. His daughter and son attend our church, Ginger and uh, Matt Gilmore. He gave me this little book called The Power of Crying Out. I, don't, I know, I've heard of Bill Gothard. I, I, I don't know that I know much about Bill Gothard and all the things that he believes. I just know this, this book, this book had a radical impression on my life. Recently, I picked it up again to read it and and it really has influenced me in a great way. And Mr. Gothard expresses in this book the thousands of times that in some way people are crying out to God in Scripture. And he calls us to remember the importance of, of not just whispering a prayer, but by crying out to God. But getting God's attention in prayer, the volume of our prayer going up. By the way, church, the volume of our worship is going up. God likes volume. He's a God of noise. He likes noise. Some of us, I just don't like the noise. God's going to give you better ears in heaven, I promise. You'll be okay. Because in heaven, it's going to be loud. When 10,000 times 10,000s and thousands of thousands are praising God, it's not going to be Praise you, Jesus. It's going to be praise you, Jesus. God likes volume. And God likes volume in our prayers. I remember when my wife was ill, and I, I've told the story, I won't tell it all, just for sake of time, because I've got some things I want to cover in the time that God's given me this morning. But when my wife was ill, back the second time of her three times that she was extremely ill, and I'll never forget the turning point in that entire episode, it was a, a, an episode that many of you remember. It was the episode where people in the church were giving blood. It was the episode where she spent 29 days in the hospital. 
It was the episode where she had to have a skin graft on her hip to fix this, the open wound on her leg. It was that episode. It was horrible. And one night, she called me at 2 o'clock in the morning, asked me to come up to the hospital. And at that, literally, this was, <laughs> I hate to say it this way, but it was so long ago, she was in the St. Joe's on Whittington Avenue. That's how long ago this was. And she is there, and she is in pain. She calls out at 2 o'clock in the morning. She goes, would you come to the hospital? I just need you to be here. I go up to the hospital. No, excuse me. I, 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 had, I had Mo. So he's just like three. And so I had to bring him over to Brett's house. He was one? He was one. Okay. Caroline's reminding me. He was one years old. So I bring him over to Brett's house and drop him off there. And I go up to the hospital, but I just can't take it anymore. I have reached a point where I have just had it. I can't go on. I, 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 didn't, even, I didn't even know how I was going to pastor this church and, and have a wife that is in the hospital dying and a baby who I barely have learned how to change the diapers. I mean, thousands, preparing messages, trying to figure out how. I just could not take it. I remember taking my little 1988 Oldsmobile, pulling over to the side of the road, on Highway 70 in front of Magic Springs. And for 30 minutes just crying out. Cars passing, not very many. It was 2 o'clock in the morning, but there were cars. Just crying out to God. Oh, God, please help us. Help our family. Help me. I can't do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. And I just gave it to God. And I can tell you, after 30 minutes of crying out, I was worn out. I was worn out. I mean, you, you spend 30 minutes intensely crying out to God I got back in my car and honestly from that moment until she got out of the hospital I knew God was in control he began to answer prayer her skin her leg wound began to close the skin graft which they did not think was going to take remember that they told us they said we'll do the skin graft it may not take it took amen and God began to work miracles And I believe it was at the point of crying out that God began to work his miracle. I remember times when when we needed more space as a ministry or needed money in the ministry and how I'd go up to West Mountain. And I'd just cry out to God on top of that mountain. And I want to confess to you that it's been a while since I've been on top of that mountain for that reason. So the other day I took our guest speaker for the college graduation, Jim Maxim. I said, hey, you got to come see Hot Springs. It's pretty cool. Let's go to the mountain. God is my witness on the way up to that mountain. I was under conviction. I'm driving up the mountain with this man I've only known for two days. And I'm thinking, Eric, when's the last time you've been up here crying out to God, crying out to me? You used to do it all the time, Eric. You used to go up to this mountain and pray over the city of Hot Springs and cry out. You used to bring staff with you, church members with you, and you guys would pray. And when's the last time? And I said, God, I'm, I'm ashamed. So we get up to the top of the mountain, and I'm showing Jim the mountain and, and the city. And I'm, there's our church, Jim. And there's the airport, and there's a racetrack, and there's the mall, and yeah, there's this. And we're looking all over. And he's like, and he said, he looks at me and he says, uh, Man, you mind if I pray? Yeah, I'll be fine. Jim just steps up to the edge. If you've ever been to the top of West Mountain, you know there's a, at the very top, there's a kind of a brick thing. It goes up to about right here, you know. He steps up to the edge and he just, oh God, oh God, he begins to pray. After 10 minutes, it got a little louder. After 20 minutes of prayer, it got a little louder. 30 minutes, he was crying out to God over this city and I'm standing there weeping, tears like not one car visited that mountaintop 
while we cried out to God. Not one for 30 minutes. When we finished, he looked at me and he said, I'm sorry, I don't normally do that. I don't normally pray that long. I just, I just felt the wind of the Spirit. And I said, Jim, you don't know how much I needed this. Jim, I needed this. It's been so long since I've experienced what I just experienced. Thank you, Jim, for listening to the Holy Spirit because what you just did, Jim, is what I need to do again. I need to get it back. I need to find it again. Because I have a lot of needs in my life. Do you? I need some miracles. I need some things that God needs to do. There's something very powerful in what we're talking about here. I'm not making this up. The Bible says in James chapter number 5 and in verse number 16, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man, only that kind of prayer, only fervent prayer availeth much. Maybe the other avails, but not much. It doesn't have a major impact on, on God's decisions. But when, when we effectually, fervently pray, that gets business done. Things happen when we do that. I'm not making this up. There's something that takes place in the heart of God when his children get themselves out on a limb and cry out, I can't do this without you. I can't do this. I can't do it. You know, the Bible says you have not because you ask not. Think about these verses, Romans 8, chapter, chapter 8, verse 15. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry... Father, Father, I need your help. Psalm 116, verse 1. I love the Lord. I love you, God. Here's why I love you, because you have heard my voice and my prayers, my supplications. I love you. I love you, God. What about Psalm chapter 50 and verse 15? And call upon me in the day of trouble. I'm in trouble, God. I don't like my circumstances. I'm not sure I like where I'm at, God, and I'm, I'm scared, and I don't know what to do. I'm trying everything else, God. In my own strength, God, I am so weak. I've tried everything. I'm trying to make this happen. I'm trying to change this. And God, will you please deliver me? And God, when you do, I'm going to glorify you. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver me. Thou shalt glorify me. Invitation, call unto me. The second word. The word insurance. The word insurance. What happens when we call unto him? Well, notice the very next phrase in the verse. Call unto me and I will answer thee. What happens after we call is he answers. He answers. Now, Titus chapter 1 in verse 2 is very true. Titus 1, 2 simply says this, that God cannot lie. Do you believe that? That's what it says. God cannot lie. I want you to know there are times when, okay, I'll give you an illustration. Um, Jerome, hey, listen, man, I, I overspent at Christmas. I did. I'm, I just, just one of those things. I got carried away. I need to borrow a million dollars. And, you know, I'll, I'll get it back to you somehow, but if I could just borrow, and I need it cash, and I need it, like, tomorrow. So, can, you what? You can't. You, you can't give me a million dollars? Doesn't surprise me. 
You see, I can ask all I want. He can't give me a million. Can I tell you something? God can't lie. God can't lie. It's not that he won't. It's that he can't. He can't lie. It's impossible for God to lie. God cannot lie. God is not able to lie. So when God says, call unto me and I will answer thee, and we know God cannot lie, can I get an amen? God cannot lie. Isaiah 46.11. I love it. I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. Amen. You know, I have never prayed a biblical prayer and really not had it answered. For instance, I've never prayed a prayer for strength and not received strength. I've never prayed for wisdom and not received wisdom. I've never prayed for the peace of God and not received peace. You see, most biblical prayers are going to be answered. In fact, there's three answers to prayer. The first answer is yes. Yes. And when we pray biblically, we're going to hear the words yes. This will all come together. Just hang on for just a moment. You'll see, because you may have a question or two or a, uh, you know, at this point when I'm saying yes when we pray biblically. But God, when we pray within his word, we're going to hear the words eventually yes. Here's the second answer to prayer. Tell me what it is. No. Amen. That usually happens when we pray foolishly. You know, God, uh, if, you don't, if you don't do this by, by tomorrow at noon, I'm never going to church again. Well, you know what? God's not interested in answering your foolish prayer. That's a foolish prayer. And so you're probably going to get a no. The third answer to prayer is wait. Wait. And sometimes God says wait. He's going to answer, but he wants us to wait. And what happens when we pray with doubt? Oftentimes, listen, we, we, we can forfeit God's answer to prayer when we doubt That's why the song says, oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. James chapter 1 verse 6 says, and I love this, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Let him that ask in faith, nothing wavering, nothing wavering, nothing wavering. God, I'm asking this in faith. I'm believing you are going to answer in your timing. The third word, invitation, call unto me. Insurance, I will answer thee. Inspiration, inspiration. Call unto me and I'll answer thee and show thee two things. Two things. Number one, inspiration. Great, great things. God wants to show us great things. Great things. Jeremiah is in prison here. And some say he was in prison for many, many years at the time of this writing. He is not sure what's going on. He's not sure about his future. So if you're here today and something is going on in your life and you're saying this as a result of what's going on in your life right now, is is God really there? And if God is, then why is this happening? If God really loves me, then why is this happening? If God really is, then why X? Why is this happening? And the answer to that is prayer. The answer to that is prayer. Tough times are prime times to pray. 
That's why, again, in Jeremiah 33 and verse 3, we see that God says, Call unto me, I'll answer thee, and I'll show thee great, great, great things. We are often defeated because of our prayerlessness. We're defeated because of it. We're taking all of our strength to try to make sure we get our, our, our the, you know, make sure we get our way, make sure things happen. We take all of our strength while we should be taking all of that strength and crying out to God. Because I'm going to tell you something, folks. When you pray like this, it's going to take a lot of strength. It's just going to take a lot of strength to pray like I'm talking about praying. It's going to take time. <laughs> Three enemies of prayer. Number one, anger. When I'm angry, I don't pray. Angry is this. This shouldn't be like this. I don't accept this situation. I'm not good with this. And anger is often an unrighteous response to circumstances. Anger is an unrighteous response to circumstances. Anger is an enemy to prayer. And when we get angry, we don't pray. Second enemy of prayer, fear. Is this really going to work out? I'm really afraid this isn't going to work out. I want to believe it is, but I'm afraid it isn't. I'm just not sure. And, and we begin to fear, and fear becomes the enemy of our prayer lives. And then doubt. Is God really good? Is God really listening to me? Is this real? We are all prone to have these things. All of us. All of us. All of us. Amen, Brother Jim. You're right. Thank you. Anger. Frustration, fear, sure, doubt. And then God steps in. God steps in and shows us great things. We come to the end of ourselves. We realize we can't do this. And God shows up and says, Whoo, I get to show you something great. God wants to show us something great. Call out to Him, and He'll show you some great things. Edith, I'm thinking about our conversation on the phone yesterday, huh? Are you thinking about it? Amen, girl. Call out to God. I have a question for you today. At this point of the sermon, I'm almost done. How many times have you raised your voice and cried out to God in prayer? I'm not talking about just a whisper. Well, God can hear my whisper. God can, but, but God's asking you to, to cry out. How many times? Once? Never? I really believe most Christians have never experienced this. And I, I don't say this to scold you. I say this to motivate you. I really don't say this. I'm not, I don't want anybody to feel like that I'm, I'm on them. I'm not. I'm saying this to motivate you. God wants to show you something great that you have not known. God wants to reveal something to you great that you have not known. And you need to spend your strength in crying out to him the greatest things that have ever happened to Carol Ann and I in our marriage, the greatest thing that, ever happened, that, have, that has ever happened to Carol Ann and I in our family have been great answers to prayer. Great answers to prayer. I remember when I gave the burden of my wife's health to God. And we talk about it all the time. God chose to heal my wife by taking her colon. And so, yes, she doesn't have a colon, and she has an irregular situation. In her, but thank God she has no more disease. She doesn't walk around with fear that she's going to lose three pints of blood and go down to 80 pounds and almost die like she did three times. That's over. God answered our prayer after 30 years. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yes. 
Remember the starting of our church? I mean, I remember. Bought the condominium in California when I went out there to be youth. Bought the condo for one twenty-seven, hundred twenty-seven thousand. Put my life savings down, which at the time was thirty thousand. But I thought, well, it'd be good because you know I'm in California, right? Everything goes up. When I went to sell it, it was eighty-eight thousand. So we lost everything. We came to Arkansas with three thousand dollars. <laughs> That's all we had, and that was including buy the U-Haul and pay for the gas on the way out here. But can I tell you something? God. God came through. God blessed. God did it. It wasn't because I had a lot of money. It wasn't because of my life savings. I lost it all in California. Hey, it was because God answered prayer when we started this church. God took a shoe salesman, my brother, who showed shoes, and God took somebody that drove Cliff Kaufman around, you know, for, for 50 bucks every time or every now and then to get a little bit more. Amen. Hallelujah. And old Cliff just, Cliff helped me pay my bills until we could get enough money to see this thing happen. God did it. You heard my son at gradu- college graduation talk about the time where he strayed from the Lord for about six months. And honestly, man, God restored our son because of prayer. We cried out to God, and he had a time where he strayed, but he came back. And I've never in my life, there's nobody in our family more on fire for God right now than that boy. Writing music and learning instruments and getting married in 29, 21 days to a preacher's daughter. I sometimes say, God, man, listen, I, I, I know you answered our prayer, but this is too great. This is so great. This is incredible. What are you doing with my son, God? I can't believe it. And God said, I told you I'd do great things. I told you. Just pray. Just cry out. I just had to get it so bad so you'd finally cry out. Hope you like the results. Do I like the results? Thank you, God, for doing great things. Then the final word is this. The word illumination, illumination, illumination. Look at Jeremiah 33, 3, and you'll see the word illumination here. Call unto me, invitation, and I will answer the insurance and show the great inspiration and mighty things which thou knowest not. Which thou knowest not. Illumination. God says there are some things that you don't know that I want you to know. Wouldn't that be cool? God knows things about our circumstances, and God wants to tell us those things. God wants to, t- he wants to show us things that we do not know. God wants to tell us certain things had to happen the way they did for a purpose. They happened that way. I know it wasn't a good way. I know it didn't, you didn't understand, but it happened that way so I could show you this. Oh, Oh, I got it. Incredible, God. I just, I'm so, I just didn't see it. I know. I, I know. I, I just, I had to wait to show it to you. I had to wait to show it to you. God wants to tell us what good is being accomplished that we can't see. God wants to tell us how the future will be better even though it seems impossible now. Even though it doesn't seem like it's going well right now, God says, but, but, but I'm going to show you in the future, it's going to get better. It's going to be incredible. Hang in there. Just keep crying out because I'm going sh- to show you great and mighty things you don't even know about. It's incredible. You say, what, what, what's going to happen in the future at Gospel Light? I can't wait to find out. I can't wait. Which thou knowest not. How awesome is it to know something only you and God know, but he gave it to you in an answer to prayer. 
You don't learn these things in college. You learn them in prayer. You don't learn these things in a book. You learn them in prayer. You don't learn these things in small group. You learn them in prayer. You don't learn these things by experiences. You learn them in prayer. What do I not know that I could know if I was more faithful in prayer? And so in closing, I believe prayer is the third thing that brings the glory down in the church. I don't know what it's going to look like for us, but I want you to know that God is dealing with me. I've been waiting for this message for a long time because there are some things that God's laid on my heart. I'm not going to try to make them happen. I'm just going to let God do it. I'm not going to try to beg anybody to come to a prayer meeting. We're just going to have prayer meetings. I, I don't know how it's going to look right now. I don't have it all mapped up. I want to get some of our leadership to speak into it. I, I, I want some of our, 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 the spiritual leaders in our church, maybe even some potential elders in our church to say, preacher, what about this? And, but I'd love for God to put together a prayer plan for this church, a prayer plan where we cry out to God and see great and mighty things. Church, it's how we started. It's how we've made it this far. But I'm asking you to go find your prayer life. It's crawled off the table, hasn't it, like it has mine. Let's go find it. Let's get it back on the table. And let's together patiently learn how to pray. It's interesting, isn't it? The disciples didn't say, Lord, teach us to preach. Lord, teach us to to do this or do that. No, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, we're just, how do you do that? And God taught them how to pray. And so today, would you join me in saying, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Teach us to cry out on the top of West Mountain. Teach us to cry out to one another. Teach us not to feel awkward when somebody comes forward to pray. God, teach us to pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'll pray and then I'll tell you what we're going to do next. Father, I come before you today and I just ask for your blessing. I ask for you to just come in power and come in Holy Spirit anointing at this moment to everybody in our pews, everybody sitting here today. And Lord, if there is one here today that, Lord, has come into this building and they do not know your saving grace, but today, but today they have felt your presence. Today they have heard your call, come, come, come unto me. Oh, God, I pray right now that you'd begin to quench their thirst and that, God, you would save somebody here today that is needing to be saved. Father, please do that in this invitation time. And Father, I ask you to do these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you look at me for just a moment? I'm going to ask our pastors to come forward at this time and stand at the altar. We have about a dozen that are already at the altar, but this is the invitation. And during this invitation, as these good men come forward, I want you to know they, they love you, they care for you, and, and they would love to pray with you today if you need prayer. If you're here today, you've never trusted Christ, and, and something resonated in your heart today while you were sitting here. Something said, I need this. I need something. Come. That's the Holy Spirit. Come. That's a good thing. Come. It's not a mistake. That's not something spooky. That's the Holy Spirit. Hey, I didn't know what it was either, but it was, it was what saved me. And change my life forever. Come, speak to one of these men up front, one of these pastors. Let them know what God's doing in your heart. Others that just need to come and pray, you come and pray.
Let's all stand, shall we? And as they sing, here's the invitation. You come right now. The Savior alone carried the cross for all of my debts. He paid the cost. Salvation complete. Now forever I'm free. Calvary covers it all. Calvary, it covers it all. My sin and shame, they don't count anymore. All praise to the one who has Oh, his blood never fails.